When I first met this woman, I saw Rose and I latched on to her. I told her, baby, I don't want to marry. I just want to be your man. <laughs> Rose told me. I told him if he wasn't a mankind, and move out the way so the mankind could find me. That's what she told me. <laughs> you're in my way. You're blocking the view. Move out the way so I can find me a husband. <laughs> Good morning. Grace and peace to each and every one of you from God the Father who, through Jesus Christ, who is our Lord. Please let me get the preliminary things out the way. I want West to know how much I truly appreciate their pastors, Sister Reverend Andrea Smith and the West Church, and I'm also glad to be here with, with our Faith and St. Paul congregation. We are so excited about working in missions to fulfill the commission that God has given to all of us. So we are happy for that. Let's give ourselves a hand of praise. I say that because very few churches are working in that capacity. So I'd like to open up with our scripture this morning that comes from the book of Luke. And I'm not getting a setting here. That's the only thing about this particular thing. But one thing I do know is how to paraphrase. <laughs> and it's not in Luke, it's in the Gospel of John, chapter 9, verses 1 through 5. And Jesus is traveling with his disciples, and they ask him a pondering question. Who sinned this man or his parents. And Jesus gave them a, a profound answer by saying, neither this man or his parents sinned. And when I pull that text up, you see more as we go through this text because it's very interesting because when we look at our city, our country, our world today, we're so polarized. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of anger. And we are so divided till we also even don't even know how we feel at times. There's a writing by uh, the Episcopal priest by the name of Barbara Brown Taylor. You know her. She wrote many good writings, and she was the Episcopal priest that wrote in her book of sermons titled Sermons in Suffering, God in Pain. And she gives a spin that really was interesting to me. In one of those sermons, she talked about how anger, many of us are not taught that anger is a part of true love. But also, even more few of us realize that we have been taught how we handle this anger, whereby it will be more detrimental to our health and more to our sickness. But she go on to say even that there, some of us has been taught to suppress our anger or hold back our anger. Don't show that you're mad. But this too, if we don't learn to handle it, where it could control, go more to our health than our sickness, then we have a problem. 
Our world is like that today. And as I looked at this movie, Fences, you see pain, you see anger. During a time when Denzel Washington, known as Troy in this movie, he's wrapped between Reconstruction and the Jim Crow era. And so he's dealing with a lot of things that are angry and is bedded in him that he don't quite understand some of the things that get inside the box and what he experienced. And many of us are like that. Our experiences that permeate that anger in every situation. But he is really between a rock and a hard place until some things happen to allow him to see that those things that pass on to your family. It was Shakespeare in The Merchant of Venice talks about the sins of the father. And there are many things that we get from our past, our families, and our situation that comes in our spirit where we even cannot let go. We only see what we want to see. Or we're divided on how we feel, but we have to understand that anger is part of our humanity. Anger is part of us. But as Barbara Brown Taylor said, that anger either could, we could handle it where it's more to our health, to help us, or to hurt us. Let's take a look at the clip here from Fences. When I first met this woman, I saw Rose and I latched on to her. I told her, baby, I don't want to marry. I just want to be your man. <laughs> Rose told me. I told him if he wasn't a mankind and move out the way so the mankind could find me. That's what she told me. <laughs> You're in my way. You're blocking the view. Move out the way so I can find me a husband. <laughs> Where, Corey? I want him to help me with this fence. He got recruited by a college football team. It ain't gonna get him nowhere. If he be like you in the sports, he gonna be all right. Ain't but two men ever played baseball good as you. And what it ever get me? I ain't got a pot to piss in or a window to throw it out of. Hey, Pop, can I ask you a question? How come you ain't never like me? What law is there say I got to like you? A man is supposed to take care of his family. You live in my house, fill your belly with my food, put you behind on my bed because you're my son. Now, don't you go through life worrying about whether somebody like you or not. You best be making sure they're doing right by you. Corey, just trying to fill out your shoes. I don't want him to be like me. I want him to get as far away from my life as he possibly can get. You're the only decent thing ever happened to me, Rose. You can't be nobody but who you are, Troy. That's all you got to measure yourself against the world out there. Rose, I got something to tell you. I don't know how to tell you this. Why, Troy? Why? You ought to know it's time. I don't want to know, damn it! What you ever give me? Your feet, them bones, that pumping heart. You never done nothing but hold me back, afraid I was going to be better than you. Everything that boy do, he do for you. It's not easy for me to admit that I've been standing in the same place for 18 years. Well, I've been standing with you. I got a life, too. Don't you think I had dreams and hopes? What about my life? What about me? What are you going to do? Some people build fences to keep people out. And other people build fences to keep people in. That clip 
reminded me as a young man growing up in a segregated community. One thing that I did not hear come from my father's lips is that I love you. But all our siblings understood he loved us by the things that he provided for us, a roof over our head and morals and values, but also to always do what is right, even in a world that could show you wrong. He really did not leave much with us. There were times he would sit on the porch for probably hours, and we sit there, and he may not say a word because he's concerned about how he's going to feed his family, how he's going to keep a roof over his head. But one thing that I have in here is that I cherish. It is a small, old Timex watch that's not worth even $5. I had it cleaned probably three years ago. But it's valuable to me because I can recall at five years old, he taught me how to tell time on that watch. It's not the materialistic things, it's how we handle the things that crisis this world could give us at times. And the question that the disciples asked Jesus was a very important question. He asked, they asked the rabbi, who sinned, this man or his parents? I did mention that some think that we receive sins from our father. Well, we learn certain things, but it's up to us to differentiate which is right and which is wrong. Did they ask this question out of curiosity? Did they ask this question because they were confused? Or did they ask this question out of compassion? But Jesus rebuttaled by telling them it was not him or his parents. But he goes on in the second verse, he reminds us that is revealed through this man to glorify God. We all would like to be in certain, born a certain color, born in a certain area, change some things in our lives, but you are who you are by the grace of God. You can't change those things, but you can change your perspective and your outlook of this world. Are we obtaining the sins of our father? I don't think so. I don't think the disciples may have gotten the memo <laughs> over in the Old Testament. There's two passages of scripture. The first one is in Exodus chapter 20, verse 5. Listen to these words. You shall not bow down to them or worship them, for I, the Lord your God, am a jealous God, punishing children for the iniquities of their parents to the third and fourth generation of those who reject me, but showing steadfast love to the thousandth generation of those who love me and keep my commandments. Is God saying that the children and the grandchildren of the father will have to pay for the sins of the father? I don't think so. 
over at Deuteronomy chapter 24, verse 16, he says, Parents shall not be put to death for their children, nor children be put to death for their parents. Only for their own crimes may persons be put to death. Now, Jesus did not say that the man or parents might not have sinned because blindness was a lot of blindness during that time. Many things caused blindness. It could be the sun, anything back then, but it was also looked upon as possibly a sin that they've done that was so bad that God cursed them. But that's not the case. But what Jesus did not tell them is some of the things that we teach our children for generations and generations, if we mishandle them, it will cause consequences from generation to generation. But we all are responsible for our own doings. So Jesus said, no, this man was born blind that God may be revealed in him. No matter what you're going through, you must understand that God is in our pain. No matter how hard it's been, no matter what roads you travel, God is in our pains. God always see the end before the beginning. But sometimes all we see is the heartache and the pain around us. Troy had that problem. And his good friend Bono told him, said, Troy, some people build fences to keep people in. And some build fences to keep people out. And there are some things that we build a fence around that we won't get hurt again. Or we build fences around our heart that all we see is the front of our hand because that's all we witness. Did I not say God is in our pain? So before you leave here today, no matter what your circumstance, no matter what your situation, God is in your pain. Some people build fences for their own defense. Some build fences for their self-righteousness. Some build fences because they're privileged and want to make sure that that's for them and not for no one else. Although we live in a world that self-preservation is the first law of nature. And even now, all of us build fences that we may be protected, or we may not be experiencing any more pain, or we just go on to the point where we don't realize we love something so much until our anger wepts within us. But does it contribute to our health or to our sickness? We all have sinned and fallen short, and we're all in a fallen world, but Jesus pressed upon him also that this. He said that the next verse, you to do the work while it's day, because night will come when no man or woman will be able to work. I'm so glad that Wes and Faith and St. Paul, when we did our diversity Bible study, we were able to touch on some things that nobody wants to talk about. 
Some want to be offenses. I'm okay, the world okay. No, that's not how it is. We talk about those things that make us different. We don't have to agree, but we also allow ourselves that anger to be funneled into something we love so much because God so loved the world that he gave. And we're about not building fences, not building walls, but building bridges. And it's painful when we find that Sunday morning is always it's the most segregated day of the week. I'm sorry, I hate to bust my bubble, but heaven is not going to look like that. I'm sorry, I, I just get that out the way. If you plan to go home, because this is a pilgrim journey, heaven is not going to be like that. So whatever you're going with your pain, you have to learn how to handle it so that God may be glorified what come may. He never said it was going to be easy. He never said that you wouldn't have trials and tribulations. But there are some things that we could create in our heart that was going to kill us or destroy us. I mentioned last week the Reverend Dr. Martin Luther King. He said either we learn to work together or we'll die like fools. He's going to say that God has done in this man to reveal his works. Do the work while it's day. I'm sorry, tomorrow's not promised to none of us. And I've been on this journey long enough to eulogize quite a few people, eulogize some family members, but the day going to come for me, and it's going to come for you. What have you done with the gifts and grace that God has given you? Have you built a fence around it to protect what's yours? Or have you released it so you could be a blessing to others? It's something about a fence that we never recognize is that it's whatever side of the fence your perspective would be. It has two views. Either you're this side, I'm okay, or that side, I'm protecting myself. Jesus also closed out in this text by saying, I am in the world, so I'm the light of the world. But now he sat on the right hand of God the Father, and we are the light of the world. And it reminds us, let our light so shine, not to glorify ourselves, not to say, oh, look at me, that he may be glorified. We have a lot of work to do. And many times, we put this on the shelf because we don't want to get hurt or we don't want to go with helping others. God is in our pain even when we don't think he's present. And he expresses love in Romans 5, 8. He exemplified a love that he died on the cross while we are yet sinners. I need to say that again. I don't think y'all heard me. While 
while we are not yet sinners, he died because he loved us that much. So my challenge to you today, what are those fences that you need to tear down? What are some of those fences that you need to look from that other side, that other side of that fence? Because many times we think we're safe. We get the best area to live. We lock ourselves in. We have the best lock. Stanley don't have nothing on our locks. We got the tailor-made locks. All the sophisticated arm alarms in our homes. But you must ask the question. Am I protecting the enemy or I'm making myself an enemy? Jesus said it was not because of him, not because of his parents, but all that the Father will be glorified. And I want to wake up one morning when I look out to the congregation and I see all those beautiful colors. No make the difference what background, no matter what your economic status, your ethnicity, none of that. And be able to say, we have our differences. We've all had our own paths. But here we are together. When the true worshipers come and honor God. What a mighty God we serve. We can't turn back the times. But we can start today. God is always operating in today. Because tomorrow's not promised. But I want you to hear me, hear me good. We got to trust the one who already been in tomorrow. And tomorrow will take care of itself. Do the works while it's day. Because night will come when no man or woman will be able to work. In the name of the Father, in the name of the Son, in the name of the Holy Spirit, let the people of God say, amen. amen. Gracious God, we thank you for this mountain of privilege and what a privilege it is as we worship you in spirit and in truth. And many times, Lord, we have more questions than answers. But allow your Holy Spirit to rest, root, and abide in each and every one of us. That despite what pain or whatever we're going through, you're in our pain. Nurture us as we go through this week in a fallen world that need to see some light in times of darkness. Now, as we part from this place, but never from your presence, we ask for traveling mercies on the dangerous highways and byways that we reach our destination and find all is well. Now, may the love of God, the sweet communion of the Holy Spirit, rest, rule, and abide in each and every one of us. In Jesus' name, we do pray. Let the people of God say, Amen. Amen.